Hey everyone, and welcome to SermonCast, a Cheyenne Hills podcast where you can find the message portion of our services each week. We hope this gives you the opportunity to better digest the teaching portion of our services, whether listening to them again or hearing them for the first time. When you come into the auditorium here, sanctuary, we have across the street and around the world. Well, we have significant ministries across the street here in Cheyenne. We have significant ministries around the world. Sabash is one of the one of those significant ministries around the world. And what's going on in India is is truly amazing. We've been I've been mostly involved. I we the the church Cheyenne Hills Church has been mostly involved with the church planting spoke. He, you just heard about the, the the feeding of the kids, and he also is starting a, uh, a third spoke of this this wheel of uh, educating pastors on a really a global level. So he's done it, but he's going to make it a bigger, he's going to talk a little bit about that. But we've been mostly involved. And so when I, a lot of my why, uh, of why ministry, why do we keep going? Why do we do what we do? Why do we press on and continue to, you know, just in every way we possibly can? Because we are supporting somebody across not only Sabash, but those those pastors. I know most of those faces, and I know they're I've seen their wives and their kids, and I've seen them in New Delhi, and I've seen them in Nepal, and and been around. And I they're they're amazing. They're just amazing people that are sacrificing, giving it all for for Christ in their local local areas. And Cheyenne Hills has been many times the first to support those if not not the only and i know right now that uh, like i say the his mini- the ministry is growing significantly and there's a lot of more lot more church partners coming on board which is fantastic um, so much if you head this way um i uh i've got i've had the privilege to know him to see what god is doing in and through him but one of the most one of the coolest things is he is brand new grandpa of 9 days ago of a little baby named Luke and that little baby is in, in Dallas, and, and his, his sweet wife, Alice, allowed him to come be with us this weekend, and he's a brand-new grandpa. So I don't know. All those things are important. Thank God you. bless you, brother. Thank you. Would you please give a warm welcome Thank to you. Subash. Thank you. I just you. like saying that name, Subash. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for having me over and uh, showing your love and support for our ministry uh, for the past 10 years. This has been an amazing journey. Uh, when the team came in 2013, we were just beginning our work. Now, if you were to come there, in Bangalore alone, the city where we live, we have six congregations. And uh, we are going to launch another church on October 9th. And uh, November 6th, we will have second service. And uh, in Bangalore, we have two mercy centers. And we have two congregations in New Delhi and two in a place called Chandigarh and Mahali, twin cities. And we also have one church in Nepal, which has completed five years, and it is already planting other churches. And we have our church plants in a place called Nagaland and also in Vizak. Currently, we have four church planting interns interning with us. And this is our main focus of our ministry. You all play a very important role, although you're not seeing it Uh, with your physical eyes, it is happening and people are coming to know the Lord, people are being discipled, and those churches become platform for the planting of new churches. Uh, Now we also have a second stream of our ministry, which is Mercy Initiatives. 
And uh, we have 108 uh, kids right now. Through them, we have access to 108 families. And our desire is to have uh, the centers all over South Asia, India, Sri Lanka, Nepal, Bangladesh, and Myanmar, that is Burma. Uh, thank you for praying. And uh, it is such a joy to work synergetically. And uh, God has been amazingly good to us through your church. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. And uh, when Pastor Galen was in Dallas for our board meeting, he said, hey, why don't you come out to city of uh, uh, Cheyenne? So he gave me a passage as well to preach. And I was encouraged by looking at the passage because this is one of the passages God uses to encourage me. Uh, there are many times as a pastor, as a husband, as a student in the U.S., uh, I was hit with roadblocks. And I call them a rock and a hard place. Uh, you know, I come to a place where there is nowhere to go. And, uh, you know, you are hemmed in. That is the time uh, God speaks to me from this passage. And I have spoken in a different context uh, from this passage. So this morning, I'd like to speak to us as part of your series, Exodus chapter 14, uh, 5 to 9. I will also read 10 and 11, and then 12 to 14 as part of the continuation of our discussion. Let me read Exodus chapter 14, verses 5 to 14. Let me read from my Bible, NIV, verse 5. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots, along with all the other chariots of Egypt, with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pihagiroth. It is in Egyptian territory and opposite to Baal Zaphon, that is in Saudi Arabia. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. I would have been, it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered to the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Very powerful passage. And I understand that you have been going through uh, a series from book of Exodus, particularly chapter 14. We all know 
God called Moses, that he would be a mouthpiece for God so that God would bring out his people from Egypt, from slavery to promised land. But the Lord planned to lead the people of Israel through a difficult terrain in Sinai Desert for a purpose. If you know that uh, part of the world, or you've been there, you understand the land between the uh, southern part of Israel and Egypt is rough. No vegetation. A lot of hills, sharp, sharp hills. It's very hot. In some places, it's below sea level. There is a shorter route to come to Egypt. It would take uh, on foot maybe a week, maximum two weeks, if you have an entourage of people coming. Instead of leading them through this place, God knew that that was not the best plan. The Lord planned to lead the people of Israel through a difficult terrain in Sinai Desert. And instead of coming to the promised land in one week, he would take them through for 40 years. And as we read here, they left Egypt and they were coming through a, probably a relatively good area and they come to a place called Pihagiroth. And that is the end of the land road and afterwards is Red Sea. And both the sides are rough terrain. People cannot easily run. Maybe, you know, one or two steps they can make. But they looked back as we read. They saw a huge army pursuing them. So the Lord brought them to a place of no escape. Normally, if things became uh, difficult, people would just go here and there or go to the place of their comfort. You know, it looked like they moved from a bad place to a worse place. A lot of us have come to that place, and I have come to that place many, many times. As a pastor, as a church planting leader, as someone who is responsible to uh, provide for the people, leader of the family, as a teacher in the seminaries, and, uh, you know, my own personal reasons, I come to hard and a rock place. You cannot go back or forward. And those people were hemmed in from behind, from the side, and the friend. And they were kind of uh, between hammer and the anvil. And we use all these metaphors from the frying pan to the fire. Or they have come to the end of the cliff. The next step would be a free fall. There is no way they could survive because they know the army that was pursuing uh, was pretty strong. And the st they, they have witnessed that because they were born and raised in Egypt. The people of Israel only saw the situation around, but they failed to see God's plan. That's <coughs> normal to a lot of us. When things happen, we look at the economy, we look at the politics, we look at uh, our business, we look at our family situation. Oftentimes, we miss out on God's plan. They saw the Pharaoh and his army. It's terrifying. 600 of his chosen chariots and 
many other chariots. They saw rough terrain. They looked south and looked north. They could not run around. And they saw the impassable sea. We call it the Red Sea. And P. Hagroth, the space between P. Hagroth and Baal Safon is the deepest in the stretch of this water body. They could not actually easily go there. They feared greatly. Fear is universal. And uh, that is a God-given emotion. Oftentimes, that, is, that doesn't work that way. We become uh, fearful, fearful of every situation. And they had every reason to be fearful. Their faith was shaken. You know, you contrast that with the way they left. They left with defiance, raising their fist, because they saw God just moving them out with 10 amazing miracles in Egypt. So when they left, they left up triumphantly. But when they just came to the place, they forgot the God who brought them out of Egypt is there with them. A lot of us have something called selective amnesia. You know, we actually have experienced God yesterday. But today, we don't have that fear. Uh, we don't have that faith. Faith is shaken. Faith is shaken not one day, two day, all the time when we are in a hardened rock place or when we are hemmed in. And these people are not an exception. Without the knowledge of God's plan, the people of Israel reacted negatively. You see that in verses 11 and 12. They questioned their decision to leave Egypt. Why in the world have we left Egypt? In other places they would say, oh, we had onions there and we had meat there. And they said, you know, we were relatively comfortable, although we were working in the kilns. And we were beaten, but it was all right compared to the predicament that we are in. And their past miserable days seemed good old days for them. Question their leader. They went to Moses. Moses must have been a tough guy. He had his own vulnerable moments, but here he was actually representing God strongly. They question, Moses, why did you let us come out of Egypt? Is that there is no place for us to be buried in Egypt that you have brought us here? Uh, you know, we will see some graves in the desert. And they became fearful. You know, Moses was leading a group of people whose faith was shaken and they were afraid. Think of us. You know, we... Uh, go through situation like this. Exodus provides us an amazing paradigm. If you look at entire Old Testament, whenever uh, God had to speak to people, he always used uh, Exodus as a paradigm. And we also uh, have Exodus paradigm. We are on a faith journey. We are moving from uh, where we were on a journey to be with God. And in this journey, more than our own plans, we need to be actually following the plan of God with regard to families, with regard to our ministry, with regard to our business, everything that we are involved in uh, the plan of God. But whenever we are in the plan of God, we have issues. 
and we come to a place of no escape and we get hemmed in. Trials, tribulations, financial issues, issues in the companies, colleagues, relationship at home, many issues, our own emotions. God's plan was to defeat the enemy, make them cross the impassable Red Sea to go to the other side and eventually to the promised land and to reveal to them who he is and build their faith. I call this one the exodus moment or a muscle building exercise. But people did not know. But God was going to defeat this army as we see in verse 13. The army that you see, the enemy that you see, you will not see anymore. People would not believe that until that happens. But in, verse, in chapter 15, Miriam and Aaron sing, Who is likened to thee, O Lord our God, glorious in holiness, mighty in power, who is likened to thee? But until then, they did not know that God had a plan when he hemmed them in, when, they, when he brought them to a place of no escape. Difficult situations in God's plans are not difficult situations. Someone said, difficulties are God's megaphone through which he speaks to people so loudly. You know, when you look at Psalm 46, Psalm 46 most likely was composed by King Hezekiah when the city was besieged by Assyrians, Sennacherib. And they knew that this amazing army would just uh, destroy the city of Jerusalem in no time. They were getting ready for it. Isaiah was the prophet at the time, the man of God. And they just uh, uh, lifted their hands to God for three days. God said, this is huge army. We cannot, now we cannot go out or come in. We are besieged. And God amazingly worked in their lives. 186,000 soldiers got killed mysteriously in one night. And the very weapons that were fashioned towards the city was inoperable because there was no one to operate it. So Hezekiah and his team of people came on the wall and they called, come, come, come and see what the Lord has done. Even before the war started, we got the victory. We did not even shoot one arrow, but look at these dead bodies. Sennacherib ran from there to Nineveh where he was killed by his own sons. That is where we get this amazing, powerful promise. Be still and know that I am God. You know, it's amazing promise. And look at, look at this here. God's plan was to defeat the enemy. And God's plan was to give them an accelerating experience, which no one has done it so far, walking in the middle of water. Water would just part ways and Moses would just go in front and people would just go and then with their own naked eyes they would be able to see the enemy would be drowning. That was God's plan. But when they were hemmed in, they questioned God, questioned the leader and they went, wanted to go back. Their faith was shaken. And God wanted to reveal himself. And in the Bible I see the uh, best theologies they all came from difficult situations. Genesis 17, 
when Abraham had almost become 100 years old. Sarah had gone very past uh, of, you know, her uh, uh, delivery age or a conception age. And he was restless. That was the time God appeared to him as Lord Almighty, El Shaddai. In Genesis 22, when he was going to sacrifice his own son, that was the time God revealed to him as Jehovah Jireh. Here, God is going to reveal to these people when they were in a place of no escape as Lord of hosts. When God fights, when they stop fighting, because there was nothing to fight with, no strategy was remaining, God becomes their strategy, and he becomes the Lord of hosts. And as a result of that, God would really build their muscle. So God is saying, stop fearing. Stand firm. See the salvation of the Lord. The Lord will fight for you in verse 13 and 14. Stand firm. You know, at the time, they were not firm in their faith. He's saying, stop fearing and stand firm. And the Lord will deliver you. The Lord will fight for you. You know, I love that when God fights for you. There is a very popular uh, Bible passage uh, we have in Isaiah 54. When people were in Babylon, when they thought they had lost all their faith, said, any weapon that is fashioned against you shall not prosper. Any tongue that rises against you in judgment, it will not stand because it is the heritage of Jehovah, God's work. He who touches you touches the apple of my eyes and I have engraved you in the palm of my hand. He lets you go through situations like this, but I will, but you need to stand firm in your faith and stop fearing because these are all mundane things that we are afraid about. Look at our fear, fear, fear of clothes, fear of house, fear of food, and, uh, you know, it's all mundane. Jesus actually uh, kind of proactively rebukes his disciples. All these things only pagan would do. But you seek the first kingdom of God and his righteousness in Matthew chapter 6. So I'd like to give us four lessons from the passage that we read today. Lesson number one, when God calls his people for any task, they need not be without challenges. If God is in it, there is going to be challenge. So that every twist and turn, God will reveal to us who he is. He calls you for ministry. He calls to be a husband. He calls to be a wife. He calls to be parents. He calls you to explore something in business. And if it is from God, issues are bound to happen. Any issues are bound to happen, and those issues, we don't have the solution with all the strategies that we have devised. The solution is age-old solution, God himself. We call it the family forum. Whenever we are hit with such situation, throw your hands up like Hezekiah did along with Isaiah, said, God, this is not our war. This is not our battle, it is your battle. 
Number two, when a situation is not in your control, do not try to solve it because God may be revealing him, himself to you. It is a time to stay still. There are a lot of things we cannot do. You know, sometime I, uh, when, you know, in India, when election results come, and I get really disturbed. When a bill is passed, I get disturbed. And when the stock market crashes, I get disturbed. When uh, COVID hits, I get disturbed. What can I do? I cannot even change a bit. But when I'm disturbed, I can disturb my wife, my colleagues, and I can make myself miserable. But as a leader, I need to know this is a time to be still and know that he is God. You know, the meaning of being still is to be actively passive. It's more kind of oxymoron. How can you be actively passive? You actually look to God and uh, God alone, not the surroundings. Number three, when you face challenges, do not blame immediately others or attempt to go back to your place of comfort like the people of Israel did. They blamed Moses. They probably blamed God. They blamed their own decisions. They would rather be in Egypt. And a lot of us are not exempt to it. We are very good at it. When the problem happens, we blame others. What if these problems are ordained by God? When COVID hit, when I saw hundreds and thousands of people walking from South India to North India, when Northeast, uh, Northwest India to Northeast India, because the government shut down entire operations within three hours, people thought the world was coming to an end. And we were just looking at it. And in hindsight, we wouldn't have gone into the mercy initiatives. We would not have had amazing the treasures of darkness had it not been for COVID. And we have access to these 108 families right now had it not been for COVID. God has his plan and only in retrospect or only in hindsight we are able to understand. So let's not blame our spouse. Let's not blame our children, not our colleagues. Number four, no situation or no human being can stop God's plan for his people. If God decided to lead people from Egypt to the promised land, Pharaoh cannot stop, the terrains cannot stop, even the Red Sea cannot stop. Inanimate objects listen to God because he created them. If God has called you for a purpose at home, in your workplace, in schools, in the country, in ministry, if it is God, and a lot of solutions are with God. Anything that starts with God has to continue with God and end with God. Jesus' disciples faced similar situation in Sea of Galilee. After Jesus fed them, uh, fed 5,000 people, and he told uh, the disciples, you go to the other side, let me spend time in prayer. They got into a boat, and they tried to uh, row through a familiar place. Probably 1,000 times they must have gone from where they were to where they need to go. But that particular day, 
they made one step forward and 10 steps backward. They stayed in the same place for almost 24 hours. You can read that in Mark chapter 6, verse 45 to 52. And when they were at their oars, very tired, unable to make progress, Jesus walks on water. Until then, they did not know this part of Jesus. They thought Jesus was just a miracle worker, a person who would only feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. But they did not know that Jesus is able to walk on water and is able to just rebuke the wind and waves and they would become quiet. And he was going to pass by. It is an expression in the Old Testament. We call it theophanic expression. The human expression of divine. Jesus was going to pass by. Just like we see in Exodus chapter 33. Where God reveals himself to Moses. And here Jesus gets into the boat. And they actually make forward. The problem the disciples were in, it was not with them. It is not that they were inexperienced. It is not the wind. It was an opportunity for God to reveal who he is. Not in a mountaintop experience, but in the difficult experience. They were unable to make progress. The wind was against them. They were unable to maneuver in their familiar territory. We may have money. We may have education, we may have techniques, but nothing is working. You know, my, uh, one of my teachers, when I was doing my undergraduate studies, she said when they hit a situation like that, she would call a family forum. And that they don't blame each other, but together as a family, they would appeal to God because they knew the solution is in the hands of God. Maybe we are facing some situation. We are unable to tell others, but we are blaming each other. We are actually in a place of no escape. Maybe it is a time God is going to reveal. You know, when I was in Dallas in those days, when I thought about certain things, about finance, my children's education, our other, um, you know, my comprehensive exams, my pressure used to go from here to here. And a lot of time, a person who led other people, I myself was in those situations. Sometimes used to think, man, I wish I had not really done this. Asked God this question, God, is it you who is leading us? But looking back, God has strengthened in many, many days our faith muscle. Not in good times, but in challenging times. So the takeaway for us is this. Acknowledge your enemy. But keep your eyes on the Lord. The problem that we have is we acknowledge the enemy, but we continue to keep our eyes on uh, the problem. We see Peter, metaphorically, when he was walking on the water, so long as he was keeping his eye on Jesus, he stayed afloat. But the minute he looked at the wind and the waves, he started drowning. In a lot of time, we handle our own situations instead of letting God handle our situations. Uncertain, 
unpleasant, halted, difficult situations. Maybe this is the time to suspend all of them and stay still and look to God and say, God, it is you who has the solution. We don't know what kind of situations you're all in, but the solution that scripture gives is just the same. It is God who is going to really fight for us. May he take his rightful position. May God bless. I'd like to pray with you real quick. Thanks, so, thanks for coming up and tell Alice, thank you for releasing you thank from you. grandparent duties. Uh, what, nine day old yes, baby? Nine days right. old, yes, nine old. That's awesome. I'm glad you could be here for a hunk of time and spending some time with us. And uh, you are a true, true blessing to, to your family, to uh, all those around, to us. Thank so, you. Thanks, thank you. Thanks for being here. Let me pray with you. Yes. Father, thank you for Sabash. Thank you for Luke, brand new baby. Uh, he has no idea how lucky he is to be born into this family. And uh, so I lift uh, Sabash and Alice to you. I know it's hard, and then their sacrifice that they've given to, to be in India, their families on this side of the pond, and uh, I'm just amazed how they maneuver all that. God, I pray that you would go before them. I pray that those moments in his life that he needs to, to even hear this sermon one more time, to be still and know that you are God. And Lord, for each one of us to remember that, to be still and know that you are God. Lord, that I could be still and know that you are God. Great reminder. Thank you for that. Pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Would you give my brother a round of applause? Thank you. 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 Th